Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Oh, man, Andrew. It's March. Spring. I can feel it. I can feel it. We're just a couple weeks away from opening day. I just want to go outside and play baseball, throw the ball around. I see spring training games on. I can just feel the season coming until I step outside. Holy crap, it's cold out there still this morning. What's the temperature over there? It's it's eight. Well, de- it was eight degrees here this morning. Yeah, it was six here, and I'm in southern Missouri. <laughs> You're up near Chicago, so it's supposed to be colder up there than it is where I'm at. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I, sure looked at the, I looked at the... My phone, you know, just checking the weather this morning, and yep, eight degrees. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> but the good, the good thing is, is I always feel like when it's this time of year, like right before baseball season, and it's this cold, it's a lot less depressing than when it's this cold in like October, and you know that the worst part is yet to come. Like the worst part is <laughs> the worst part is over with. So now it's like. Whatever. If it wants to be cold, be cold. It's not going to be that cold for that much longer, so we'll be all right. I saw some, a meme on the Facebook this last weekend that said, if it if the winter's going to stick around much longer, I'm going to go get my Christmas tree and just put it back up. And <laughs> <laughs> gave yeah. me a laugh. Yeah. All right. Well, glad to have you all today. We're going to get started on outfield ranks. So we're going to try doing something a little different during as we're here getting ready to do the outfield breaks. We're going to do 1 through 20 tonight and try to keep the podcast a little shorter, maybe about an hour, just experimenting with a couple different things as we're learning and trying to find our way as a podcast. And then we're going to come back pretty shortly after. We, I think we might even try recording tomorrow and getting another batch of outfielders, probably 21 through 40 maybe. And we're going to see how that goes. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Keep them, uh, keep them a little shorter here. The outfield is there's so many guys to talk about. You know, there's we're gonna have a lot of them. So probably do one through twenty tonight, and then do uh, like twenty one through forty or fifty, and then maybe do the rest. So yep. Maybe something something similar with starting pitchers too when we get to that. The nice part is that means you make it three podcasts this week. Not not for sure. We're just trying to. See how as we go, but you might actually get three podcasts this week to listen to. You ready to get started on Outfielders, Andrew? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. All right. Let's get started on Outfielders here. We once again fielded questions from the Facebook group and got a bunch of great questions that we'll be mixing in as we go through these players. And Brent Johnson, we're going to start right off with his question. In a 15-team, five-outfielder league... What is your strategy on the outfield position? Uh, I typically, the first couple rounds of the draft, I'm just trying to take best player pretty much at the spot where I'm picking. I do like to get two or three in the first, you know, I'd say eight to ten rounds if I can, because I know that if you wait too long for like your second, third, fourth outfielders, you're going to be hurting a little bit. And since you have to have five, and a lot of times your utility is even an outfielder, not always, but it can be a little tough. So I'm conscious of it during the draft, but I guess maybe not as much as some. I know some people are like, I have to have this many by this round, and I wouldn't say I'm like that. What about you? 
Well, I want to ask you one more question, then I'll go into me. With, let's say, you have 23 starters. That's the typical standard league we play in. When do you want to have your fifth? Is Are you okay going into the 23rd round and that being your last outfielder? No, you- no. In the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I think I took my OF5 and it was Mullins, and I took him in, I think, round 18. I took my fourth, though, in, like, round 13. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to wait. I think I even took my six shortly after that, 20 or 21. So, yeah, I, I like to have them, you know, but um, I wouldn't wait till round 23, I don't think. No, not for my fifth. Honestly, my take on it is almost exactly what you said. Early on, I'm not targeting any position. You know, I do like having an ace or two early on, but I also have no issue taking one of these outfielders if, it's, if it feels like the right spot to take one. But on that same note, I do want to have two, at least two by the 8th to 10th round. And what I've seen in a lot of my drafts is I take two outfielders right there in that, maybe even three outfielders in that eight rounds, 8 to 12. I really like that spot for a lot of outfielders. And when we get to that part of this rankings, uh, you'll hear me mention a lot of guys I really like at their ADP right there. Yeah, there's a lot of guys later on that, I like, you know, like out like OF three, four, five types that I like, but some of them, especially the ones that are in the four five range, they're like speculative young guys that could, mm-hmm. could, could bust. Honestly, they're not. So you don't want to just wait for those guys because Correct. even though, even though you like them, those guys aren't any type of guarantee at all. And you have to yeah. know that go. You have to know that going in. Yeah, and what you said about getting your last one by around 18, yeah. Again, I attack the mid-rounds, and I try to be done by around 16 or 18. Especially with the way my drafts have gone, I've gone pitching early, and then I have not taken many pitchers in the mid-round. And I take a lot of speculative guys late because I can afford to with those aces and top-tier closers that I seem to be taking a lot this year in drafts. So on that same note, I grab a lot of my outfielders in those middle rounds because I'm not pushing early on them. So I like getting a lot of the middle range guys and the ones that go late, but maybe not all the way. I don't want end game outfielders. I just don't. Not as my starters. All right. Well, let's get started here and talk about number one. This might be a bit of a surprise to you, Andrew. Brace yourself. But Mike Trout is the first overall player in redrafts right now. Shocker, right? <laughs> Absolute shocker. I, I don't even think we can continue on. It, uh, honestly, I have nothing else to add. He's the clear number one guy in redrafts. I, I, He's still the clear number one guy in Dynasty, but my question I was going to bring up is, is the gap closer in Dynasty than redrafts for him being the number one overall player? I think it's different. I don't think it's any closer or further apart, I, I think it's different in the sense that, well, just, just starting with redraft, he's the number one pick. Don't overthink it. He's the best player in the league. He's one of the best players I've ever seen. I mean, it's just, just don't overthink it. It's easy. Dynasty, I think that the gap is basically the same. The only thing I will say is there, I think that there will come a point in the next two years where 
it could start becoming a debate. But right now, it's not a debate. He's number one. The only thing I would say is if you draft him one in Dynasty, you need to go for it right now. Mm-hmm. No, no, like trying to build a dynasty and play for years two, three, be and beyond. You need to go for it right now if you're taking Trout one in the dynasty because in a few years he may not be the same Trout as he is right now. He he's peak Mike Trout, best player in the world. You know that right now. If you have him on your dynasty team, you need to be in contention. That's all I would really say. Redraft. It's it's just so no brainer. There's no. Like Mookie, to me, obviously, you know, he's two, and we'll get to him, but it's really not even close to me, to be honest. I agree. In Rotomasters 2, I made that mistake two years ago. I was still pretty new to Dynasty. I had the number one pick, and I took Trout, and then I went with a bunch of youngsters. It was the wrong move, even two years ago. When you have the best player on the planet, you don't know how long you have with that window. You play to win now. It was a lesson I learned, and... When I've talked to other people who've had the number one pick, I've given that exact advice out. I wanted to ask you one question with Mike Trout. Okay. Is he the best player you've ever seen? Oh, you're asking a Cardinal fan who watched Albert Pujols play in the 2000s. And Barry Bond. You know what? That 2001 Barry Bonds, I think he was the best player I've, I've still yet to see. I've seen. So, no, I don't think I'm going to say Trout is the best he may not even be the second best but he's still so special he's still so darn special what do you think uh i think he's in the conversation i i don't think uh, bonds bonds is my answer i mean i and i love i love pools he was more hitter than player to me Mm -hmm. you know like i think pools was a better hitter than trout but Mm -hmm. i don't think he's a better player than trout that makes any sense but but yeah, I think he's in the discussion, honestly. I think he's on the uh, track to go down as one of the best ever. I mean, I don't... Yeah. He, he's un- he's unreal. It's just He's the guy who, when we're 65, we will be talking about to kids who don't know anything about young or players yeah. in that era. He'll be yeah. the guy. And I feel like he, in a way, changed the way that a lot of us look at prospects. Uh-huh. Because just the way when he came up, you know, and has just been so great from the beginning. I mean, that first portion of a season he struggled, but just unbelievable what he's done since. It's, it's awesome. And everyone needs to be enjoying it because guys like him don't come around all the time. Poor jerks and Profar. He had to be the number one pro f- prospect the next year. Yeah, <laughs> It's like being the, the quarterback coming in and replacing John Elway. You don't want to be that. Yeah. All right. Number two is another pretty clear number two overall in redrafts. I, I, you know, there are other guys going to, but he seems to be pretty clear in most redrafts as the number two pick. And that's Mookie Betts. He had an incredible 2018. I really don't even have much to add on him. I just wanted to throw in this one question. If I was giving you odds right now, what percent chance do you give him being the first overall pick? in redrafts going into next year? Uh, very small. I think it's small. I would put it at maybe like 10%, 10 to 20%. <laughs> My answer was 15, so we're and, in the same and the main and, and the main reason I say that, I know it's crazy because you think like, well, he's two. He's so close. And he is two, and he's great. But the thing is, is 
he's basically the same age as Trout, and he's just he's just not Trout. Like I don't. If he blows Trout away this year, then maybe. But I mean, do you really expect that? Like I I, I almost feel like it would take an MVP type season from Mookie and some type of big injury from Trout for us to even discuss it. I don't really think that's in the cards at all. I I don't give him much of a shot. But that said, he's awesome. I the thing with the number 2 pick, like I feel like people are trying really hard or some people, you know, are trying hard to find that guy to take Trout's spot. And I have my idea as to who it is. It's not Mookie, but um <laughs> but that's not to say that's not to say that he isn't awesome. It's just that second spot is like a, it's like a revolving door every year. You know, a year ago right now, everyone was taking Altuve too. And, and some were talking about taking him one. Yeah. And you saw how that turned out. There's been years where it was Harper and Goldschmidt and it's just like a revolving door. And Trout is just the one that stays there. And it won't shock, it wouldn't shock me if any of the other guys in the first round really move up to like the two slot next year. I, I wouldn't even be that surprised. I feel like there's a lot of guys capable of doing it, but as far as overtaking Trout, it's going to be tough to do, especially because his floor. I mean, he's been a top 10 player every year. Mookie's closer to the field than he is to Trout, and I couldn't have said that any better. So, okay. Yeah. In a given year, Mookie can outperform Trout, but Trout does it every single year. That's like I said, top 10 player every year, full season since he's been in the majors. It's just incredible. That's what you're getting. Number three is J.D. Martinez. He's got an ADP at 5, 5.8. He's had two amazing years in a row after being injured a couple of years before that. I think he's an awesome player, and anybody wanting to take him there at the sixth overall pick, no issue with. I don't think I'd quite take him there, but I mean – Again, I'm splitting hairs here. He's an awesome player who's in an awesome lineup. He's going to get counting stats galore. I'm good with him. Or I don't have a problem with someone else taking him there, but I'm probably going another route. Yeah, I haven't taken him in any drafts like in that spot. But, yeah, if you want to do it, do it. I mean, he's he's pretty much the four categories besides stolen bases. He's awesome across the board. The power is elite. And the uh, the counting stats will be elite too in Boston's lineup. So, yeah, yeah, no issues, no issues. Again, not a lot to add. It's just like the guy's a monster. You know these these guys are all so good. I, I feel like it's you almost don't even have to break them down. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, I, in dynasty leagues with JD, I would probably let somebody else take him. I'm kind of the thing with I, I I'll find somebody else most likely that I like more. Um, and that may be a mistake, but I would just rather take a younger player knowing where he's going to go, but that does That's not taken away from how good he is. It's just the fact that he'll be 32 this year and in a startup dynasty, I don't really want to take a guy that's 32 or ter- about to turn 32 in the first round. I, I would maybe take him late in the first round, but I, I don't know. I, I, don't I would probably, do there. yeah, I would probably just avoid it. I, there's a point where you have to do it, obviously, but I think he would go higher than I would take him, put it that way. Yeah. There's always somebody who's willing to take those veterans and go for it right then, and nothing wrong with it if you 
as long as you know what's coming on the back end of it. But you could get a couple, hopefully, get a couple championships in that process. Yeah, right. it's, it's just if you take that guy in the in the year that he falls off, you're going to be kicking your you'll be kicking yourself for years. I mean, and it happens all the time. It's not it's not easy to see until it's easy to see. You know, it's one of those things. So it's, it's a game of hot potato when you've yeah. got a veteran like that. Christian Yelich is at number four with the Brewers. He picked number seven. This guy we may talk a little bit more on because he took a big jump along with the next guy into the top ten of first base or outfielders. Had an incredible 2018 and won the MVP. 36 home runs, 22 steals, 110-plus runs and RBIs. You know, I almost feel like this is like Alex Bregman when we talked on the last podcast. It is awesome stats, but I also look at this as a high or as his high point. It's hard for me to see him repeating this, and I'll explain. He had a 373 BABIP, insane 35% home run to fly ball rate. And like Bregman, he does have a high floor, but I also don't see him returning first-round value, which if anybody else wants to take him there, that's okay, but this guy's got a real high ground ball rate, and it's going to be really hard for him to repeat those home run totals with a 35% home run to fly ball rate. Yeah. I uh, Like I said with Bregman, I don't really have an issue with it here. I mean, I think that he will regress some, but it's still Miller Park. It's still a great lineup. And Christian Yelich is the definition of professional hitter. Like, yes. He is a 300 hitter that's going to hit probably upper 20s, maybe up to 30 home runs. He hit 36 last year. I don't, I don't think that'll happen again. But the runs will be there. The ribbies should be fine. And he should chip in 15 to 20 steals probably. He does everything. He's phenomenal, and he had, he had an outstanding year last year, 166 WRC+. plus. He's, he's a great, great hitter. Like, he really is. It's, he's awesome. He is awesome, and I say all that not to really discount him as a player. He's awesome. I love that type of hitter, but I think there's just a couple guys behind him I feel a little more comfortable with. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, these guys are all going down this list at least the next few. I mean, they're all studs, and I kind of almost wouldn't even argue with anyone that has them in whatever order they they want. You mm-hmm. know, when, when we go in this list, it, it's not necessarily the order we would take them. It's the it's obviously the NFBC order that we're kind of going on. But uh, yeah, if, if you like any of these guys, you know, a little more than the other, they're all close enough. Just just take the one you want. Yeah, I'll say right now, I probably amongst outfielders, as I look at ranks, I'd probably have them seven or eight, something like that. And yeah. we're still talking top of the second round. So this is not me saying that he's not a good player, or that he shouldn't be going really early in drafts. It's just I think he's going a little higher than I feel comfortable, but he's awesome. Yeah, no doubt. Number five, Ronald Acuna. This guy came up as a rookie last year, and I remember a year ago he was going in the fifth, sixth, seventh round of redrafts. And I thought, man, I love Acuna. I love him in Dynasty. I had a share of him in a Dynasty league. I was all about him, thought he was going to come up and rake, but I still thought, ah, that fifth round's a little too early for my liking. You know what? Those guys who took him, they were they got the last laugh because in 11, 111 games, he had 26 home runs, 16 steals, just an absolute monster, crushing the ball every time he was making contact. It was loud, 
contact. Guy's loaded with tools. I'm in on this guy in terms of taking him up here. I'm definitely taking him before Yelich. I'm taking him before J.D. Martinez. I think he is my third-ranked outfielder on this list for redraft. And in Dynasty, we'll get to that in a second. Where are you on him in redraft, though? Yeah, I'm in on him here. It's depressing. I don't have any shares of him, and it sucks because this guy is hes special. I mean, it, what we're going to be seeing from this guy these next few years, it's going to be off the charts. I, I know it. I'm, I'm really confident that he's... He's a superstar. I mean, it's it's kind of a new era with some of these young guys, and he's potentially the poster boy of them. It's He's really, really, really good. You know, Steamer has him projected for 28 home runs. I'm way over that for what I think he's hitting this year. I, that 28, really? I think you could tack 10 on that, and I'm not surprised at the end of the year. I'm not saying I would project him for 38, but... 32 to 35, I would definitely be projecting that. So I'm yeah, taking the fair. over on that projection. I, I am going to say this, and I mentioned it a few minutes ago with bets. This is the guy that I think is the next number one pick that is not Mike Trout. So mm. whenever, however long you think, and I'm not saying when it'll be, because it, it still may be a couple years. It, it, it may it be 2035. It, it still may be a few years, yeah. But um, <laughs> I think that with his across-the-board production, I think that he's the, he's the guy. When, when it's not Trout. When the, the next guy that is a 1-1 ADP, I think it's Ronald Acuna. Yeah, and that's where I was saying we were going to get back to dynasty talk because I've heard you tell me that before, and I definitely wanted to hear you. And, and I mostly, wanted you to share that here. Yeah, and mostly just it's not even a slide on bets. It's more just because he's behind them in the age, you know, the aging curve. Yes. So it's it's like once they get to the point where they start to go down and he's going up, it's you know they just kind of cross and. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's the next uh, next top dog. Yeah, isn't he twenty? I just need to look. Twenty one. Twenty. He is twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. So he just turned twenty one in December. A couple years from now, Trout and Mookie are thirty or above, and he'll still only be twenty three, twenty four years old. Just be a baby. We're entering right into what is perceived as the prime for most stars these days. What about Dynasty? Where would you take him in a dynasty startup? Because I took him in my dynasty startup, and I'll mention that afterwards, but where would you take him? I go back and forth with him and Vlad. I, I would probably take Acuna, though. I've, I've kind of come around on the idea of it. it it's, it's really close. It, I don't actually know if I would do it in the moment because <laughs> my, uh, my love for <laughs> Vlad, but, but it's, I think I would take him, too. I think I would take him, too. And if not, I would take him three, two, three. So you yeah, would take I, him over Mookie Betts? Yeah, I would take him over Betts, yeah. And, and again, it's, it's kind of like what you said with Vlad and Arenado. It's, it's just the, the aging curve. You know, it's, he's younger, and I, I think he's a superstar. And he's already, I mean, you got to think, too, he's already at eight in redraft, you know, and he's 21 years old. 
And the other thing is, and I was I was kind of thinking about this with there's there's people that would say, oh, it's it's a risk or, you know, you could they would be quick to state that they haven't seen a lot of him and they've seen a lot of bets and all that. A couple things to keep in mind. One, you're you're not getting the retroactive stats. It's just from today forward. The other thing is, is last year I was in a startup dynasty going into 2018 and Jose Altuve went two overall and everyone was taking him two overall and he was safe. He was the guy, you know, and this year in my startup dynasty, he went 27 overall and he went 28 in mine. So it's fine. It's, you know, it's fine to have your own opinion on it. And I'm not saying that everybody has to agree with me. I know plenty of people probably don't, but just know that the, the proven major leaguers, they drop off too. like they're, they don't have no risk. I mean, there's, there's a risk of anybody falling off, you know, there's, it can, it can happen to anybody. And I'm not saying it'll happen to bats. I, I don't think it will, but I'm just taking the 21-year-old that I think is going to be a star. And I can, pro- I can almost guarantee you that a year from now, Ronald Acuna is not going 27 in a, fa- in a dynasty startup mm-hmm. like, like Altuve is, did this year. And you said 28. So it's just something to keep in mind. I mean, th- those, those guys that you think you have pegged that they've done it, I've seen it over and over and over and over. I mean, that's what everyone was saying with Altuve. And look at him now. It's not that he's bad, but no one's taking him too overall. No one's even considering that. Now, so. I, I think I've said this before on this podcast, but Andrew McCutcheon, I remember him being a clear top guy there for a while, and he was right up there. I think he might have been two or three or four there at one point in a redraft. And it was right around his mid-20s, mid to late 20s, that all of a sudden the steals crept down and next thing you know he's not a first round pick anymore it happens yep all right number six aaron judge 17 overall still strikes out a ton but he hits in a little league park has amazing hard contact rates an injury shorted his season there and he fell a little bit in drafts this year compared to last year but i really don't have much else to add he's still a stud who is going to hit a lot of home runs has league leading home run and counting stat potential you have anything dad no not really i was uh i was so big on him when he was a prospect i went to the futures game and saw him in 2015 and i was like cheering when they called his name and i i loved him as a prospect and i i never thought that he would be this good though like it's crazy if he hit 55 home runs this year i wouldn't even be surprised his he's got elite 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 power probably top three or four in the majors as far as just powers concerned. He's an OBP machine, 398 over his 1,200 plus plate, plate appearances in the majors. I mean, what else is there to say? He's, he's a stud. I've actually got a couple redraft shares of him. 17, I, that's his ADP. I can't remember exactly where I got him, but I think I, I got him in the second round in both, I know, because I got Max and Judge. I got that combination two different redraft leagues so far. So I'm good with it. He's awesome, man. Max and judge. I absolutely love that combo. 
I love the idea of taking him at the top of the second paired with a pitcher. That's yeah. That's almost my perfect type of start for a draft. Yeah, one thing I I kind of like this year getting that getting if you can get one of the aces that you like taking them first and then taking a guy like Judge or or whatever hitter like the mm-hmm. next guy, the next guy would be fine too. Just because I feel like those early second round bats this year are basically first round bats. Like they're all there's enough of them that it's almost like you could get two or you can get an ace and one of them. So I kind of like the idea of getting an ace and one of them as long as you're comfortable with the pitcher. And yeah, I'm comfortable with Max, obviously. So yeah, because the reason being. A lot of those bats you get there right at the top of the second, if you pick in the late first round of a 15-team redraft, they're all the same to me. Grand yeah. scheme of things, they're all the same, and there's only a couple of those pitchers. So grab the arm and then grab whatever bat's there for you because they're yeah. all awesome. Yeah, totally agree. Number seven, speaking of awesome, Bryce Harper, probably my favorite player in the league. I love this guy, and this is going to be the first year I do not own him. 19 overall in ADP, that's going to go up now that he's with Philly because I think I heard on the Baseball 365 group, and I have not looked this up to verify it, but they said that something like 10 to 15 of his fly balls that he hit in Washington this last year would have been home runs in Philly. And if that is true, holy smokes, he could hit a lot of home runs. Yeah, this is another guy that, Nothing he does will shock me. I mean, I know that he's had some years where the batting average wasn't great. I don't put much stock into that. He's still st- he's still a two seventy nine career hitter for as much crap as he seems to get with that, which is pretty good. Um, tons of power, league leading potential with the power. You know, it's the upside is just absurd. And now, yeah, going to a, a better hitter's park lineup will be pretty loaded for him. And yeah, it's going to be fun. Those Phillies Nats games this year are going to be really fun. I'm actually, I'm looking forward to watching like Phillies at Nats. I'm looking forward to watching those games that that's going to be some must see TV. How do you think the Nats fans are going to receive him? Cause I really haven't heard much talk from a nationals fan in the Facebook, the Facebook group. Um, totally guessing here. I think they're going to boo him. Do you? Yeah. Just guessing. I'm totally guessing. I, and I don't mean anything bad by them or anything. I just have a feeling it's, it's not, it's going to be ugly a little bit, but you know, some of them will probably cheer. I'm sure it's just, that's kind of uh that kind of sucks. I mean, he went in the division. Ugh, it's, I don't think it's going to be too good. I'd say this though. If I, I think if I was a Nats fan, and I've followed this team closer than anybody but my Cardinals over the last eight years because I owned Tr- Harper, I owned Trey Turner in that Dynasty League, and I think I'd be more upset with the Nats than I am Harper if I'm a fan. And the reason yeah. being, they offered him 10 years with deferred money, and Harper said he just wanted to play in a place for the rest of his career. And I'm not inside that organization, so I don't know, but... My guess is if they came to him with 13 years, 330 million, none of it deferred, he would have signed and played there the rest of his career. And that's not much more than what the Nats offered. The only thing is, though, is when 
you've got a bunch of fans at a game that aren't thinking <laughs> they're not all thinking logically in that moment you know it's I don't think they're going to care personally but maybe they will I mean it's I think it'll be interesting to watch either way no matter what they do so I, I just think it's going to be I'm looking forward to those games I I think I posted yesterday but they actually play the fourth and fifth game of the season. I looked when they signed them. Uh, Phillies at Nats. I think it's April 2nd and 3rd. And I think that's um, Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe. Something like that. But it's it's like the first week of the season. So I would I would be tuning into those. Yeah, that's, that's must-see TV. Number eight, we got Giancarlo Stanton at 22. The eighth overall pick in the second round. His first season in New York didn't go as smoothly as hoped, but he still had a real solid year. Andrew, I've heard you talk about him with some predictions last year, what you think he'll do this year. Do you want to share those with the group? I'll save some of it for the predictions podcast, I guess, but I I think he's going to be even better this year. And it it's kind of seems like, he wasn't that great last year. And then you look up and it's 38 homers, 102 runs scored, 100 RBI. I mean, is that really where we're at with Stanton, where that's not good? I mean, it, he's he's ridiculous. I mean, projected to lead the league in home runs, 44. I feel like, too. And I watched a lot of him because I have I have him in a, in one of the, my dynasty leagues, and I feel I felt like watching him early in the season last year, and this was just an observation. There's nothing you can do to quantify it. He looked really uncomfortable in a lot a lot of times when I was watching him, just almost like the pressure was getting to him a little bit. He just seemed out of sorts. And I feel like the second go-around, as, as the season, I'm talking early in the year, that was. And as the season progressed, I felt like he was starting to get a little more comfortable. And, you know, you could just kind of see it watching him. It, it, like I said, it's hard to quantify. and It's just one of those things that you, you get from watching a player. But I feel like this year, he's going to go nuts. Like it's his second year in New York now, and I feel like he's more comfortable. And yeah, I I, I think he's going to be awesome again, I, potentially even better because he actually was awesome last year. He just wasn't quite as good as the year before. But if thirty eight homers and a hundred runs and ribbies is the bad year, then God, I can't wait for the good one. You know? Yeah, and I agree. I think he is. I think he's going to take a step forward from last year in terms of his numbers in New York. And that's why people were disappointed. Those video game numbers he put up in 2017 in Miami, 59 home runs and 130 RBI. And now he's going to a lineup where Aaron judge had 50 home runs and 120 RBI the year before or something like that. And they thought, man, these two guys, they're going to destroy the AL. And it was a struggle early on, but I agree. I think he was just pressing in a new city where there is a lot of pressure put on the baseball. And now I, I, I'm with you. I could easily see what, that, what you just laid up there. He's the only guy project steamer projection with over 40 home runs this year, and he's at, they've got him at 44. So it's kind of a sizable gap to 
Crush and Gallo at 39 each. It's a pretty big gap. And now we move to the end of the second round in a redraft, or near the end, with Charlie Blackman with Colorado. He's been a stud for the last few years, but the speed is starting to decline a little bit. And it seemed like there were some scratches last year where his age was starting to look like it was showing a little bit. He's had, his speed has been down. His stolen bases have been down three years in a row. But he's still in an amazing park and an awesome lineup to hit in also. Uh, yeah, he's he's fine here. I, I feel like he's a really popular guy that people are fading. Like they're just they see a guy that's aging a little bit, and I, I feel like some people are avoiding him. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's the right thing to do. I, I've always kind of thought that runs scored is probably the the most underrated fantasy category. On, at least offensively, like people Agreed. just don't. I yeah, I just I mean everybody looks at power and speed and thinks about how what average a guy is going to hit for and and then I even feel like people gravitate more towards run or ribbies than runs and I just feel like runs gets uh, kind of lost in the fold. But last three years, 111, 137, 119 runs scored. I, he's he's absolutely elite league leading potential in that category his biggest thing will be just you know if aging a little bit will he will he continue to stay on the field but he hasn't had a problem with it so far so there's really no reason to predict that he wouldn't be able to speed is declining a little bit but 17 14 12 i mean it's not too drastic still a good hitter so yeah i agree Number 10, we got Andrew Benatendi, also going right there at that wheel of a 2-3 turn at 29 overall. He was a superstar in the first half of last year. He had 14 home runs and 17 stolen bases as we pulled into the All-Star break. And something went wrong after that. He slowed down significantly. In the second half, he only had three home runs and six steals after July 1st. I don't know if I ever really heard of an injury, but something obviously was wrong. And I think he gets is getting discounted a little more than I think I would personally have him. I think he belongs up there just behind Stanton. I think I'd take him ahead of Blackman personally because I think that something was wrong with him in the second half. And if he's feeling better again in a loaded lineup, I think I'd take him over Blackman personally. But I also don't have I don't think it's a some egregious thing that he's ahead of Black or behind Blackman right now. I would take him probably about this spot. The thing with Benintendi is I don't really know how high his ceiling is. I don't really know if he's ever going to get to too much more power than he's hit for 20 and 16 the last couple of years. Um, I would project him for somewhere in there this year, you know, 16 to 20, probably 18, something like that. Uh, great lineup, obviously. I mean, the, the counting stats will be there, and he's a great hitter. So, you know, his average in OBP will be good. And there's steals. So, yeah, he's a, he's an across-the-board contributor. I don't know if I would take him ahead of Blackman just because I think Blackman will hit for more power. But he'll have less steals. And, yeah, I guess that's kind of a coin flip the more I'm thinking about it. but It's close. But, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine here. I really, really do like Benintendi just as a player. I think he's 
he's great to watch. He, he's fun to watch hit. But, yeah, I, I don't think he has crazy upside, but they don't all have to have crazy upside, you know. He's just really good across the board. He does everything. And it's kind of a good uh, good way to start your team with guys like that because then when you get down a little bit later in the draft, you've got more of a base across your categories. And you can kind of pick and choose who you want to take a little bit more as opposed to taking a guy that's all power or all speed and then you feel like you've got to tilt it the other direction. He kind of just gives you that nice foundation across the board. So, yeah, he's fine here. You know, we talked about Bregman and Yelich, and I don't feel comfortable taking him at those positions because I don't see a huge difference between those guys value-wise and Ben Attendee. I, I think they're all right around the same to me. And Ben Attendee, he's capable of being close to what they are in terms of home runs plus steals, except that he's going of 20 picks later than those guys. So I think that's why I like him is I don't see a huge difference between those guys. Yeah, it's fair. It's, it's fair point. Uh, number 11, Whit Merrifield. We've already gushed over him on the second base podcast. So if you'd like to hear us talk about all the reasons we love Whit, go listen to that one. Number 12 is Juan Soto. Who would have guessed a year ago we'd have be talking about him in the top 15 of redraft ranks? But that's where we are with him going thir- in the 32nd overall in NFBC. That's the third pick of the third round. What he did last year was incredible. He started the year in low A and was in the big leagues by May. He went from low A to mid to high A, a cup of coffee in double A. And next thing we knew, with a couple injuries, he was called up. They just hot-shotted him right to the bigs, and he performed. That just doesn't happen, but it happened here. He had a 16% walk rate in those 116 games. Again, just absolutely incredible, a 20% K rate. That's the a seasoned veteran statistics right there. Will we ever see that again, what he did last year? That's a great question. As far as as far as and I don't mean like how good he played. I mean like his meteoric rise from low A to the major leagues by the middle of May and crushing till the end of the season. Like will we ever see that again? Well, just the year before Ronald Acuña started the year in low A, I think, and he made it to Triple A and they were calling for him to be up in August. And that was a meteoric rise. Soto yeah. went and did it in a month. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it just all happened so fast. I mean, he had about 185 plate appearances before he got to the Nationals last year. And I want to say May 20th was his debut, or right, right around there. And yeah, just to go from from low A to high A to double A to the majors, boom, 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 and hit the entire way, like there was no slump. It was never, there was never like, oh, he can't do this. You know, it was like he just did it the whole way. And then he gets to the majors at age 19 and just crushed it the whole entire season, like the whole rest of the year, right? I honestly don't know if we will ever see that 
you know, just exactly that pretty much. And it, phenomenal, just unbelievable. E- everything that I said about Vlad in the previous podcast, you could pretty much say about Soto. What he did was so incredible. I don't think in the end that he will have as much power as Vlad, but you could probably argue that because he's just a great, great hitter. And gosh, watching guys like Acuna and Vlad and Soto right now at like 19, 20, 21, we are just in for a treat, man, because these guys are, man, it's going to be real fun. It's going to be real fun. I was fortunate enough to trade for him and lucked into what happened last year in a in Roto Masters two. I traded for him two years ago and it was complete luck. I don't take give myself any credit on that one. I just lucked into a superstar. But I do want to throw a little bit of cold water in here with a couple warning flags that are out there. Last year his ground ball rate was fifty two percent. And his home run to fly ball rate was twenty twenty four point seven percent. A lot of medium contact. Hard contact was okay, but nothing eye-popping here. So, there was 22 home runs. There's a lot of people that think he's going to hit 30-plus. If he's hitting a ball on the ground 52% of the time, that's going to be hard to do. Where do you land on this guy in terms of redrafts for 2019? Yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with it. I would take him here if I needed what he provides, which is basically everything besides besides steals, really. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good with him here. I just still just can't believe what he did. It just I, – I think people just take it for granted almost, but that was, that was amazing. I, I'm good with him here in redrafts. I don't have any issue with it. And in Dynasty, I would probably take him anywhere from pick – Five to pick ten, somewhere in there. Hmm. I think he's probably eight to twelve to me, maybe ten to fifteen, something like that. So I may be just a tad lower, but not much. He's a superstar that's nineteen years old. I, I think he's twenty now. I think he turned twenty over the yeah. His birthday was in October, so he's now twenty. He's incredible, and I'm glad you brought that up the dynasty because that was going to be my next question, and then I'll ask the last question that. Kevin Obarski asked on Facebook, what percentage chance do you give Soto of being a top 15 ADP in 2020 redrafts? Top 15 in redraft? Yeah, uh, so we're talking I, a first rounder. I would say like 40%. I think it's, I think it's close to 50-50, but I'll – tax him a little bit for injury potential, you know, that anyone has. And just the fact that you're still calling on one guy to do it, you know, one random player, which it's tough to do. But yeah, I I think that, uh, I think if he comes out and comes close to doing what he did last year, doesn't even have to quite do it at that level, but just close, then everyone will have seen it for, two years and he'll be going into his third year and the quote unquote sophomore slump that people like to bring up, that'll be gone. And I, I don't, I don't have any reservations with him hitting this year. I, I don't have any. So if he does it again, 
I'd put it at 40% that he's in the first round going into 2020. Wow. All right. I think I'd probably say 25, personally. I'd give it a shot. I think he needs to elevate the ball a little more. But he's also 19, and that's very possible. Number 13, we have Chris Bryant at 33 overall. We discussed him in length on the third base podcast. And number 14 is Starling Marte with the Pit Pirates at 37. So we're talking right in the middle of the third round. Had 20 home runs and 33 steals last year. That's incredible. And he's continued being a great source of speed. The, the home runs were a little bit of an uptick last year. This is the third year in a row that he's elevated his fly ball percent. It seems like he's making a concerted effort to get the ball in the air more. The negative on him has always been the counting stats in terms of he still hasn't had a year where he's had either 85 runs or RBIs in a season. That's not really his fault, more just the organization around him is my personal take, but it's also hard to project him ever in any year to get 85 runs or RBI. Yeah, I'm not not really a Marte guy, man. I'm just... I, I get the intrigue because he does steal bases. He does a pretty good job across the board. My my issue with him is more that I don't want to be the one holding him when the steals fall off. He's 30 years old now, and I don't think that he is good enough in the other categories for it to be able to hold him up when the steals drop off. Part of this could be, too, like the the taste I had in my mouth from McCutcheon because when his fell off, they fell off kind of hard. And I've kind of been waiting on that with Marte, and it hasn't happened yet. I will admit he has been really good these last few years, and I, I've kind of not been in on him, you know, and, and that's fine. I I probably will just continue to not be in on him, and, um, you know, he's, he's just not really for me. I, I just think – when those 33 steals drop off to 15 to 20, which post 30, they could. And then it's like, he, to me, he's, he's nothing special. He's a decent average, decent power, bad lineup. Meh, you know, and I think he needs to have those 30 to 35 steals to be impactful in fantasy. And of course he can do it because he's done it, but you know how the steals go. I mean, they can, they can drop off at any point that they can to counter that Whit Merrifield, you could almost say the exact same thing on who's going half around, half around ahead of him to where I'm, that's the first time I just realized that, but I'm sitting here thinking about those two specifically you could almost put the same comps on each of those guys. Bad team around them. Coming up on 30. How long will the speed stick with the home runs? A little bit of a mix in there. I think personally, I'd rather have Marte over Wit just for those reasons stated. But I also will add that Walter McMichael in the Facebook group, he's the one that brought it to my attention when I was gushing over him a couple years ago about how he never gets over 80 home runs or RBI hardly ever. I don't know. I, I, I'm not reaching to get him, but on the same note, I think I'd rather have him than wit just for that half round difference in their value. Yeah. See, I like wits dual eligibility and wit walks more strikes out less. I don't know. 
I, I just I like Witt a little bit more. Plus, Witt stole forty five. I mean, I guess Marte did that, but it was three years ago, and I just I don't think that Marte is stealing forty plus at all. I will be wrong if he does. I have no problem saying that. I do not think there's any way Starling Marte is stealing forty bases. Man, well, yeah, you did say he hasn't stolen forty in three years, but two years ago. In 2017, he stole 21 in a half season because he had the PED suspension. So I look at it more of two of the last three years he's had 40. Now, that said, it's a good point of him hitting 30 and dropping another 10 stolen bases. It's hard to get those back. So that is a good point there. Yeah. Yeah, he just he just scares me for whatever reason with the speed. But, I mean, I could, I could definitely be wrong. He's He's proved me wrong the last year or two, so... Why not do it again? <laughs> Let's go for three. <laughs> yeah. Let's go for it. Go for the hat trick. All right. Number 15, Reese Hoskins, uh, 40th overall. So just a couple picks after Marte. It looks like now that Harper has come to Philly and Carlos Santana has been shipped back to uh, Cleveland. He's going back to first base this year after a year in the outfield. This is a guy who hits a lot of fly balls, which keeps his batting average down a bit. But he should continue producing around 30-plus home runs and possibly even more. And the counting stats should be better with Harper there because, and along with Harper, I shouldn't just say Harper, but Real Muto and McCutcheon, he has some pieces around him in that lineup this year to where those home runs and RBI, or runs and RBI should look even better. He's definitely a better asset in on-base percentage than he is in batting average, but I like him around this spot, especially because he's going to be a dual-eligible player. Yeah, a lot of power, loaded lineup. Um, it has been really interesting to watch him grow. When he kind of came up, it was there was a point with him where it almost felt like a little bit of an unknown, and he's he sure has shown up. Like he, He's great. He's really good. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's really good, and a lot of power. That, that lineup is, is just loaded. So, yeah, I, I don't have any issues with him. If, if you're in the third round and let's say you took, like, Trey in the first round, I think he's kind of a good pairing with him or, you know, just somebody that's he's going to give you a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah, he's fine. And like, like you said, even better in OBP, definitely better in OBP leagues because his, yeah. OBP, his OBP is really good. And his batting average really isn't. So, yeah, definitely better in OBP. Number 16, we have Cody Bellinger at 44. So he's right there on the 3-4 wheel. We did discuss him on the first base podcast. Number 17 is Tommy Pham, who is now with Tampa. He's on the other side of that wheel in the top of the fourth round at 61 overall. Actually, that's the top of the fifth round. So I guess I had that wrong. You know, Pham... Going into last year, he had a lot of buzz because he had a 23-25 season, 23 home runs, 25 stolen bases, and a 300 batting average. But that batting average was supported by a 368 batting average on balls in play. So there were some warning flags on him that going into the year. But all that, all that said, he still had himself a pretty solid season this year in 137 games, 21 home runs, 15 steals. 275 batting average, still a high batting average on balls in play, but he does make hard contact. So that just may be something. He may be one of those guys that does have 
a high batting average on balls in play. He did seem to be getting dinged up a lot last year, but I was surprised to see that he was he still put in 137 games. I still don't know if I feel comfortable taking him in here, but I get it for anybody that does want to take him here. What do you think? I'm not really. I don't know. I'm not really a fam guy. I he he's a good. I will say this. He he's a good combination of power and speed. Like one of those guys that uh, he kind of contributes across the board. Kind of like I said with Ben and just in a little bit different way. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't really believe in him. I I don't. He's been better than I've expected. I'll admit that. I see him go in drafts where he goes, and I just feel like it's too high. Every single time I ever see him drafted, I just feel like it's it's just too high. Twenty Steamers got him for 21 homers, 16 steals, 256. He's definitely better in OBP because he does walk. I'll give him that. He's, he's good at drawing walks. and I don't know. The, Ra- the Rays are a good team. I don't know how great I feel that their lineup is, but he should hit, you know, right in the thick of it and should counting stats should be all right. But yeah, I, I don't think he's really for me. I, I would take there's there's guys below him here that I would just rather have. I would just wait and take them. I fam isn't for me. I would definitely take the next two over him. One of them being the next guy will just move on to now George Springer at 62 so he's going pretty much at the same spot uh Springer I know Andrew he's been one of your guys the last few years I know you've been a big fan of him saying he's continually underrated and I was one that didn't like him much early in his career with those strikeout rates but he did continually improve that to where he's had himself a much better career these last five years since he's come up than than what I expected but Last year was a little bit of a dip in the same amount of games. He had 12 less home runs, and his batting average fell 20 points. Are you worried about him, Andrew? No, no, I'm not worried about him. I I, I, uh, I do think, and I think the mindset with this guy has always kind of been that when he falls off, it, it could be quick. I just, I don't really see a lot of signs of it of it happening. Um top of the Astros lineup is just so, you know, runs scored again, like I said with Blackman, it's it's one of the five categories, and he, over 100, three years in a row, he's he's like a beast in runs scored, like he's, he's one of those where if you're looking and you need runs scored, he's a good guy to target, uh, in mm-hmm. season, you know, like in a trade, I remember there was one league last year, I don't even remember what league it was. But I needed runs scored. And I spent uh, some time thinking, like, how, how can I get George Springer off this guy? Whoever had him, you know, I don't even remember but what league it was or whatever. But I just feel like that goes unnoticed with him. And he's going to score a lot of runs. Obviously, if they ever moved him down in the lineup, that's the risk with thinking too much into that. So you don't want to think too much about it, I guess. But... He's one of the core players in one of the best lineups in the league, and I like him. I've always been a fan. I, I think that his uh, he's just one of those guys that's fun to watch, too. The next guy is actually one of my favorite guys in the league, Lorenzo Cain with the Brewers, 66th overall. Seems to be good for a batting average around 300. He's done that the last couple years in a row. 
Actually, let's see. One, two. In the last five years, his lowest batting average was 287. In the others, he was all between three and th- 300 and 310. Seems like every year he's good for 10 to 15 home runs, somewhere around 30 steals. I, I absolutely love this guy. He hits the ball all over the field, plays excellent defense out there in center field. One thing that really surprised me when looking at his stats last year with the Brewers, though, he had 38 RBI in 141 games. Yeah. That is incredible whenever you're hitting and playing 140 games in an, uh, in a lineup like that, which that could just be a freak thing. He was hitting at the top of the Brewers lineup, and uh, I don't know. I don't really think too much into it, but you do have to take into that into account a little bit. He hasn't had over 56 RBI in the last three years in a row, and four of the last, actually... Going back to 2011, he's only cleared 60 RBI once. So this is not a big RBI player, but on that team, he could easily be near the top of the league and run scored, that said. And he's a good good at taking walks, doesn't strike out much. I just love the guy. Yeah, I I think RBI, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of fluky and situational a little bit. But he does have an odd track record of like not getting them. It's really weird, actually, if you look at his his seasons. I, I do really like him, though, especially in this spot of the draft. It's it's again like I've said before, unique skill set, batting average, and stolen bases. There there aren't a lot of guys that get you that, and he definitely does that. Two ninety three career hitter. He's at three hundred the last two years, three hundred or above. And the stolen bases are there, and the runs scored are going to be there. I mean, he's at the top of a good lineup. Yelich probably behind, right behind him, you know. So he is uh, a little bit older, so you kind of wonder at some point. It has, it has to be in your head a little bit, you know, when is this guy going to start showing age, especially with a guy that depends on his wheels. That's just something to keep in the back of your mind, but he hasn't really shown any signs of, slowing down he's sitting here in the middle of the fifth round so i think it's fine yeah Yeah, i'm on board i actually took him above this spot in the uh in my redraft that i'm in right now i took him in the fourth and yeah totally totally good with it i had a share last year i didn't get a share this year not because i feel any different about him i I love the player but i just he didn't didn't fall onto my team one thing I will say, just to keep in mind, and I I don't do that good of a job doing this, but sometimes I look back and and think think it after I do my drafts. When you draft a player like this that hits at the top of the order, if you draft too many guys that hit, say leadoff, your RBIs are going to be totaled. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, and and it's easy to not think about that because it's. If all the guys that you happen to like, because, you know, let's be honest, we're not sitting there thinking about RBIs that much when you're drafting a guy. You're just, you know, you think about the lineup and you think about the power and the speed and the hitting. But if you draft too many guys that hit one or two in a lineup, especially in the NL, if you, if those just happen to be the guys that you like, you're going to hurt in batting average or in, uh, mm-hmm. in RBIs. You're just going to. So it's just. Just something to think about because I don't think uh, I don't think too many 
or enough people think about that, including myself. Like I said, I've, I know I've made that mistake before. And then I've looked back and been like, Oh yeah, I probably should have focused a little bit more on guys that aren't quite in that spot. So just something to keep in mind more so in redraft leagues than in dynasty. Good advice. All right. Number 20, we're going to close this out tonight with Andrew, one of your guys, David Dahl, the outfielder for the Rockies. The guy has been hurt in just about every possible way the last two years, but he finally made it back for the second half of last year. And man, did he play well. 77 games, 16 home runs, five stolen bases. Looks like he's going into the year with us with the gig. I grabbed him in both of my redraft leagues. I'm kind of excited about him going into this year. But Andrew, I know this is one of your guys. So why don't you talk about David Dahl? I, uh, I've always liked Dahl. I've always thought that there is going to come a point where he's like a first-round pick. I have. I, I've thought that kind of the whole time as he's come up through the minors. He can pretty much do it all. He just needs to be out there. And obviously that has been horrific for him. He, he can't stay on the field at all. And it's been really, really bad. The one thing I will say is this price is not cheap. And I've got to say, I, I don't actually like him as much this year because of this price. I don't think I've gotten him in a redraft league yet. I wouldn't say that I don't want him because I do, because I do still think that he has that ceiling, but I feel like a lot of it is baked in now, a lot of it. And he really has to be out there, produce. There's, there's a lot of things. He hasn't really done that much yet. I mean, over, you know, he's got a lot to prove basically, but the good thing is, is he is slated to hit clean up for the Rockies between Arenado and Story, which is just beautiful. I mean, it's all set up for him now. He's got the job. He's going to be that guy, you you would hope. But yeah, a lot of it's baked in at this price. He he definitely needs to do it because it it could be bad, too, if, he, if he's hurt again. And he's he's been hurt constantly. So it's I, I feel like he was more my guy when he was – a lot cheaper than this. I've got him in a dynasty league and I don't even remember where I picked him. I felt like that was a little bit different because it's a long term, but um, I don't worry quite as much about injuries, you know, in long term type of league. Yeah, this is this is kind of pushing the uh, the comfort zone for me with him it, as far as this ADP goes, because it's up there. He's not cheap anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. And I should say I've landed him in both of my leagues. He wasn't somebody who I was targeting by any means. But it seemed like he fell in both of those leagues compared to this ADP, which is the fifth round. I wouldn't take him in the fifth round. I should add that. I took him. I just went and looked it up while you were talking. In the draft and hold league, he went at the round seven, pick 14. So he fell far enough to where I'm like, okay, I'm taking him here. And in my auction which was a standard $260 budget. I took, I took him for $18. I grabbed a lot of outfielders in that range and a lot of hitters in that range. And that's about the price for guys going around that spot. Corey Seager, Elo Jimenez, all those guys went for about the same amount of money. And most of those guys are going between 80 and 90 overall. So 
I think yeah. I I felt all right with him at those prices. Yeah, I will say I I still think that that ceiling is there to be a first or second round pick, like going into next year. If if he stays healthy the whole season and is hitting in the middle of the Rockies lineup the whole season, it's like automatic guaranteed production. It's just like there's no doubt about it. You know, it's just it's he'll be fine and he'll the numbers will be there in the end. But man, he's just he's just really really had a hard time staying on the field, and I just hope he can. I hope he can do it. What was that serious thing that happened to him two, three years ago? That internal problem? Yeah. 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 And I remember hearing people say that's, that's going to affect his durability going forward. It's kind of interesting because the superstar outfielder in Colorado five, 10, 15, five, 10 years ago was Carlos Gonzalez. And what you're kind of saying Sounds a lot like what we were saying about Carlos Gonzalez in terms of this guy could be the top overall player in fantasy. We're not saying that about Dahl, but a first rounder. If he could just ever stay healthy and play a full season. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe we're saying that about Dahl five years from now. Yeah, I, I kind of, like I said, I've kind of always felt that way. I, I actually have thought in the past, you know, of Cargo. Because Cargo... In 2010, I think it was, he was the number one overall player. And I've kind of, mm. I've kind of always seen that skill set with Dahl, but he's just never, uh, never been able to stay on the field long enough for it to even come close to materializing. The good thing is, is he'll be 25 right around opening day, so there's still definitely time. It just you just hope that some of the luck, the bad luck with the with the health corrects, and then he should be really good. All right. Well, I think that's where we're going to stop now. Twenty outfielders in. We're going to try once again to do another group for another hour here real soon. Probably try to record that in the next day or two, and try to get through these outfielders quickly. But like we said at the beginning of the show, we're going to try to keep these at about an hour just to shorten them up and give you a few more podcasts and work them, you know, try to make it a little more listener friendly. I've, we've had a little bit of feedback with people wanting to preferring a show that's more in the 60, 90 minute range. And we thought we'd just try to shorten it up and see how this goes. Yeah. So we'll probably do, what do you think? Like 21 to 40 next or 21 to 50 or something, something like that. I bet so. And then we'll probably go after that. Just, discuss the rest of them and maybe we'll even tie some news in there on that one if yeah. if we record short enough all right yeah. andrew before Sounds we get good. out of here is there anything you want to plug anything you want to discuss before we get going uh one thing i just wanted to mention i had somebody ask me about so i just wanted to bring it up was on the last podcast when i was talking about vlad I mentioned that I said something like they have never done and I stopped my thought. And what I was saying was that they have never given a anyone in the uh, BA handbook. They've never given anyone an 80 hit tool. And I, I, had, I like stopped my thought before I finished it and was talking about Trout and Harper and the other guys. So somebody had asked me what, uh, 
what I was going to say because I never finished the thought. So I just wanted to uh, say that on air here so everyone knew. But, yeah, 80 hit tool, only guy. All right. It's time for me to fess up. The real reason we cut this down to an hour was so Andrew could talk more about Vlad because yeah. he didn't think he got all of it in last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I won't beat it into the ground anymore. Maybe a little bit more on the predictions show, but we'll leave it till then. Uh, we'll have to have a daily Vlad segment when we record as we yeah. get into the season. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, well. I appreciate y'all listening. We'll be back with you shortly to talk more outfielders. Y'all take care. Yep, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us baseball365pod at gmail.com and if you like the show take a moment rate us on iTunes and once again please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook that's where baseball lives 365 days a year we'll be right back